welcome to today's episode of Heart Home Faith. I'm your host, Olivia, and as always, I'm so very grateful to you for tuning in. This episode, I talk with Amber, the founder and face and voice behind Solutions for Simplicity. As a busy mom, I think we can all relate to the fact that sometimes it just feels like there aren't enough hours in the day to get things done. Amber at Solutions for Simplicity has dedicated her research skills as a PhD to understanding what peak productivity is, how our bodies align with our productivity based on our natural cycles and rhythms such as sleep, or even as women, our hormonal cycles. Amber is an absolute delight and it is amazing to connect with other Catholic women who have a passion for sharing. Tune in for some great resources and be sure to click on the show notes because I am connecting you to some of the resources that Amber talks about in this episode. Listen in. I can't wait for you to gather some tips, some tricks, and maybe even some free resources to help you pinpoint your priorities and to find a way to make the time for the things that truly matter to you. Hi, Amber. Thank you for being on Heart Home Faith. Hi, Olivia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be a guest on your show. And as I was just saying, I'm so thrilled that we have connected. Yes, I have really enjoyed this community of women that are Catholic and passionate about their faith and about their lives and about like, even just improving the lives of other people in their, you know, with the skills they have. And then just, it's so nice in this time when we feel so isolated to like have found this little community. It's, it's just really, I don't know. It's just very, it fills me up in a really joyful way. So I'm really grateful too. Yes, I completely agree. Okay. So I'm talking with Amber, who is the founder of Solutions for Simplicity. And I think we can all agree as moms, right? And especially because you're a working mom, not only a working mom, you're a college professor. Yes. So my day job, my real job, if you want to say it that way, is a university professor. And so I've been working full time and trying to juggle mom life. I have three young boys, ages seven, five, and just turned two. And then about a year and a half ago, I got so inspired to share some of the many things I've learned the hard way in hopes of helping other women make some changes that really have transformed my life and and the struggles that I have faced as a working mom and as a Catholic working mom. So yes, I I am really so thrilled to share things. um, and, And again, happy to be here today. Oh, great. Okay. So one of the things I think we can all agree as moms is that like, if you work outside the home or you work inside the home or you are happily just, you know, a homemaker and you're not looking for income or there's no like side business or anything that you do, that's totally fine. Like we, the church needs all of these women. And so, you know, a lot of times because Amber and I both have the experience of being working moms, our interview might trend towards saying like, Oh, is working moms, but this is not exclusive for working moms. Just like, you know, motherhood is not exclusive to working moms. We all as women are moms and we all as women struggle with finding time for ourselves, 
finding time for our husbands, finding time to do the things that we're passionate about. And so even if I keep saying like as working moms in this interview, please know it's not an exclusive thing. This is for all women in the church. So. Thank you for saying that. Yes, that that's another thing I'm so passionate about too, is these, these strategies are so helpful for anyone and everyone. And, you know, while they have been things I have learned the hard way, they also really come from the years of academic research I've spent trying to figure out what does actually work for helping us use our time in an effective way that we can then give back our our time, our talents, and our treasures to God. And, you know, we just, we have this finite time of our lives. And I know that we all are juggling so much, like you said, whether you work or not. In fact, I'm just convinced that the hardest job in the world is to be home with your kids and, and, and taking care of your family full time. And I, I wish in many ways that that was my vocation, but um, for a variety of reasons, I, I'm also feeling called to serve in my job capacity. And that adds its own challenges, but that doesn't change the the value and the contribution that every single one of us can make with our time. Absolutely. So I was thinking, like, I have spent years thinking about how the amount of time that I have is not enough for all the things that I want to do, which is kind of funny. But, uh, you know, I mean, so, like, okay, if you think about your one greatest resource, like, the one thing that everybody has not equally because we know there's discrepancies in, you know, things like childcare and there's discrepancies in things like how much support you have from a spouse. But if you really think, you know, just all of us have the same number of minutes in a day. Now, whether we have a different amount of demands on us in those minutes is going to vary. But like just thinking about our resources and I started thinking about like women, I think they experience this thing. I'm not sure if it's a real thing, but um, I kind of coined it in my head, like time poverty. Like it's very easy to have like, where did that time go? What happened? Like, even if it's just that feeling of like, I blinked and my baby is now five, like <laughs> what happened? And so I'm really, I'm really excited to bring your ideas to all of my listeners today just to help us to manage our time better and, and kind of reclaim the days and, and reorient ourselves towards, towards God first, right? And then towards our family and, and just as far as like thinking of what balances and productivity and things, I'm just, I'm so excited. So my first I, question. I just want to quickly say how much I love your take on this. I, I think you should coin the term time <laughs> poverty because that is the problem, right? We convince ourselves that we don't have time or that there's never enough time. And that's an excuse that I made for years. But you also pointed out the reality that we all have the exact same 168 hours in the week. So time by itself isn't going to solve our problems. It's not going to you know, be everything um, that solves what we might feel like we're lacking. There's so much underlying uh, the, the issue and yet there are so many actionable strategies we can employ to, as you said, harness our time to reclaim it for what does matter. That's, oh, okay, I'm so excited. So um, 
The first question I have for you, because I feel like we should set a little background and then I promise I will ask you like about your favorite tips and trips and tricks and how we can, how we can access this information and everything. I promise we'll get there. Um, but the first thing I want to know is what is your story? How did you become passionate about this organizing and planning? And then how did you realize that you wanted to help other women with this too? And I know we touched on this a little bit, but please feel free to go a little more in depth and just share your story, your personal story. I'd love to. So I never really knew what I wanted to do with my life. In fact, you know, from a young age, all I knew was that I wanted to be a wife and a mother. But as I got to that point in my life, my husband and I actually really struggled to have kids right away for whatever reason. And so that led to an, an opening of our hearts to what God might have in store. And it ended up being the opening of some career opportunities <laughs> for me. I went to graduate school. I earned my PhD, got this um, incredible job as a tenure track professor. And then literally one week after I signed my contract, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> and being it's amazing how he works. Over, right? I mean, but being the overachiever and kind of type A perfectionist that I was slash am. <laughs> I'm uh, recovering, okay. so. <laughs> totally recovering. Um, lots of relapses. <laughs> but I just assumed that no problem, I can do it all. And I really, I still am firmly convinced that this is how God wanted it to be, that he lined out the events of my life more perfectly than I could have ever planned them myself. But suffice it to say that moving across the country, having my first son and starting to teach in my new position just two weeks after he was born was not the easiest thing. And no. it really just threw me for a loop. I was completely blindsided by the amount of work that I had, by the emotional and physical changes that had happened in my life and the urge I had to be with my son all the time, but the million demands that were on me in both a professional and a, a home capacity. And just, I fell apart. I fell into a really deep depression and it's, it's been hard to talk about, but I'm becoming more and more certain that people need to hear this story because yes. I, I actually got to a suicidal state oh and thankfully, God. I know, sorry, I don't want to. No, 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 please. Message. So that's, that's what I want to say is ultimately there's a very happy end to this story. Thankfully, my husband and my mom had an intervention, but I knew, I finally realized that so much had to change, that something had to give. And as they say, we cannot do it all. No. And so I started simplifying my life and really prioritizing what did and did not matter. And things turned around but I ended up then having three kids in four years while still working full time. And it just continued to snowball until I finally realized that I, I just, I needed a clearer way. I needed to let go of so many things and I needed to make sure I had my priorities right. And that time was going to be the way I could really make all that happen. So again, I applied my academic research skills to scouring the literature for what is scientifically shown to help us do what we need to do without going crazy. And after another year or so of, of putting those methods into practice for myself, 
I've, I've just got so much to share with everyone. Oh, yay. Okay. Well, the first thing that I want to say is thank you for being brave enough to share your story about depression and the place that you got to. I remain convinced that women don't talk about it enough and that that stigma needs to go away. And <laughs> that, you know, like therapy is necessary when you need it. And so like, and it shouldn't be your spouse. You should, you should talk to someone else. Like yes. I know we're talking about time, but the, the reality is if you are at the point where you feel not like yourself and you haven't felt like yourself for a long time and you're embarrassed or ashamed, those are feelings that tell you that you need help. Like if you're trying to hide something about how you're feeling, especially after having kids, especially if it comes with shame and fear, like I experienced postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And I had this incredible fear that they were going to take my children away. Now who they are is, I don't know, but I was so afraid to get help because I thought like, Oh, they're going to take my kids away. They're going to think I'm not a fit mother. And so I realized that that fear and that shame that you might feel about how you're actually feeling can really, it's, it's not from God. No, and it's so, not. Like and getting and help is, is the most important thing you can do if you're in that state. 100% agree. I also think it compounds because, you know, many of us might have been able to perform at a certain standard before we had kids and then things change. But, you know, again, there are just these hormonal fluctuations and life events. Again, regardless of whether you have kids, things come up and we don't always handle them the way we envisioned that we would, or we think other people would be handling them. And our perceptions can be so powerful. And like you said, that's, that is not God's voice in those moments. Goodness. No, I totally is coming from the opposite direction there. Um, but okay. So I guess I'm really curious based on your academic research, kind of shifting back to thinking about time and simplifying our lives and just really I'm really curious based on what you found what would you say are the biggest struggles or challenges that women face when it comes to I don't even know if this is like the appropriate phrase maybe there's a better phrase but managing our time like maybe there's a better phrase for how we can look at time but anyways I'm just curious I think that's a good one you know time time is when it is and and we can use it or lose it so uh, there are so many struggles that we all face, but especially as women, I would say some of the biggest is that we have this sort of social belief that is inculcated into us from a young age that we can do it all and that, you know, we need to be the perfect mom and maybe be bringing in income to support our families and be serving our communities and volunteering our time and just take on everything that comes our way. But the reality is that we, there's only one of us. There's only so much of us to go around. So that's one struggle. Another proven fact is that, you know, women tend to be more, uh, detailed, more thorough, and therefore more reliable. So they get asked to do more. People, people rely on us because they know that we will follow through and we will do a good job. Another factor that I've personally experienced, and maybe this isn't everybody's situation, but it really <laughs> took me by surprise. Once we become a mother, 
time is not our own in the way that it used to be. All of a sudden, and this is our path to sainthood, I hope, right? But once we become a mother, our lives revolve around serving our families in a way that we never had to do when it was just us or in our married life or in our single life. And all of a sudden, we have so much less time than we ever did. So the things that didn't used to be issues become issues, and they can really become sources of contention, especially in our relationship. Um, I also think it is very easy for us again, perhaps because of the hormonal fluctuations that we naturally go to, to make excuses that keep us stuck and maybe prevent us from taking action to pursue our dreams or to live out our, our, our callings um, on top of the vocation of motherhood. Anything that just, um, you know, any, anything we tell ourselves about why we aren't taking chances to to do what we feel is on our heart. Right. And, and that, that can be a really beautiful thing because many of us are, are trying so hard to put our families first, but there comes that point where you are sacrificing so much of yourself that you have nothing left to give. And I really reached that point. So um, now I, I realize how, I can try and do both, right? We can't do it all, but I'm very adamant that we can serve our families and live out our vocation of motherhood while also pursuing our personal passions because they are, they are messages and callings that I believe God has placed on our heart to serve the rest of the world as well. Right. Yeah. I'm for all of that. If we, if we get creative. Right. Yeah. I feel like it's so important for women to remember that like, okay, I became a mother through God's plan, but that didn't like, it changes you, but it doesn't make you just, just mom. Like there's still more to you, which is yes. hard because you know, those first few months, years are, and beyond are like really challenging. And it's really easy to say, I'll pick that back up later. But even if it's something like simple, like, I mean, maybe you like to knit and you just like wish that you could sit around and, and knit for, you know, 30 minutes before you go to bed or, or something silly like that, but not like knitting silly. I actually don't knit, but I crochet, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. like it's really soothing for me. And so finding time to do it, it's easy to say, well, now is not the time when the kids are older, but like maybe this is the time and maybe you can use that thing that you, you know, that you enjoy doing to serve your community outside of your home in some way. Um, so yeah, I definitely am all about getting creative as well. I have to throw in that nothing we talk about today, and I know this isn't your, what you're implying, but I just don't want anyone to misconstrue my words. I want to emphasize that nothing you do or don't do changes who you are and your inherent value and, and belonging in this world. And I know that society put so much pressure on us that we then tend to judge ourselves and judge our own worth on what we produce or how much money we bring in or the number of things on our to-do list we can cross off or how well behaved our kids are or all these, all these measures that are not actually reality because nothing changes who God made you to be. And all the advice I want to share today is not meant to call into question who you are and how wonderful you are, but ways that you can then give back out by using your time better. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Yeah. I feel like I've, I've said this before, but like the, our metrics, 
none of our metrics are ever going to be the metric God uses for holiness because we're not perfect. Like we, we don't have perfect holiness within us to know that we're like, we made it, we got it, we got it. Like God's going to look at us and be like, you crossed off all your items on your to-do list seven out of 10 days in a row. Amazing. You're a saint. Like, no, that's not no. That's metric. <laughs> but I mean, it feels really good when we cross off all the items in our to-do list. And there's something beautiful about when you're a woman and you're taking care of your home and it's efficient and you feel like, wow, like I'm in a routine and I feel like I've got time for prayer and I've got time for this and I'm taking care of my home and my family. And like, there's a beautiful fulfillment there. But yes, our inherent dignity will never change based on what we do or do not accomplish. Yes. Wonderful. I love that you are reminding people of that because I think that's important. And it is so often, especially for moms who do work outside the home, who have that sort of a, a feeling of like a workplace that encourages productivity, where it's expected that you're productive for certain hours of the week in a certain way that, you know, it can become easy to fall into that trap of trying to measure your worth by your productivity, which totally. is not a proper <laughs> metric. So, <laughs> Yes. I, my constant refrain is that it's not about doing more. It's about doing more of what matters to you. Yeah, it's awesome. I think that might be my favorite advice from oh, thanks. everything you say. <laughs> and I know you've only said like a little bit of it, but yeah, it's, you know, doing more of what matters to you because what matters to me is going to be different than what matters to you. Yes. You everyone to- gets to define for themselves what matters and that should hopefully be discerned according to what God places on your heart. Right. And like you said, that differs for each and every one of us, but we easily fall prey to the external pressures or even the own, our own high standards and what we think we should be doing or how we should be able to do it. And I just want to remind all of us that it's, it is in our power to say, no, this really doesn't matter. And I'm going to let it go. Man, I've said that too much about my laundry recently. (laughs) Me too. Okay. That's definitely something that I let go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm struggling with letting that one go. I like wish that I had a laundry fairy that would just put it away. (laughs) Yes. It hasn't happened. It's still on me. All right. So we've talked about the struggles, but now I'm kind of curious about like the practical things. What are some strategies that you do to manage your time and be efficient and effective and obviously letting some things like laundry go (laughs) in the same boat with you, but like what, what are some of the strategies that help you to be effective because no one wants to do something poorly. Like anything we put on our plates, we don't, we don't want to say I'm going to do, you know, half as good of a job as I could on this. And so how do you, how do you manage all of this, especially as a recovery perfectionist? How do, how do you manage all that? What are some of your favorite strategies? So I've boiled it down to five overarching strategies, and I'm going to go through these in order of importance. So the most important thing is inevitably to prioritize. Nothing matters equally, right? Certain things are always going to be more important. And as we just said, only you get to define what is truly important. There is such a difference between things that are urgent versus what is actually going to move us forward and and be something that that adds value to our life or to other people's life. And I really have to work to make sure that we're not getting distracted by the urgent things that seem falsely important in the moment. 
and that we are instead really prioritizing the important things, whether or not they have a deadline. It's also so important to remember that productivity isn't just about doing more and more and more. It's not about the number of things you cross off your list. It's about being effective and moving, that, that all of your actions are moving you forward in a direction towards achieving some larger goal or aspiration or contribution. So first thing is to prioritize. The second big strategy is to simplify. And again, we, we can't do it all. We simply cannot. I've learned this the hard way because uh, you know, maybe this is common knowledge to many people, but it wasn't to me. I genuinely thought I should be able to do it all. And then I fell flat on my face because there were just seemingly not enough hours in the day. And there definitely wasn't enough of my energy and sanity to go around. Oh, I hear you. So in that case, we have to get really clear on what we are versus are not going to do and really let go of the things that don't matter. The things like my mom has this amazing phrase um, that I've adopted and she says, is this really going to matter in five years? And as trite as it might sound, I ask myself that question so many times a day. Does it matter if my dishes don't get put in the dishwasher tonight? Does it matter if I don't respond to this email that I got right this minute? Does it matter if I turn down this opportunity that sounds really exciting, but is actually going to take more time than I feel I have to commit, right? Uh, the other big thing is to lower your standards. And, and I struggle with this because, again, before having kids, I feel like I could perform at a certain level. And that's just not quite the case, at least not in this stage of young kids um, and mom life with, with so many young kids. So we have to recognize that the important thing is just to, to get things done. They don't have to be done perfectly. They don't have to be done our way necessarily. There are a lot of ways that we can delegate that it's great to ask for help. I know that feels so hard and uncomfortable to many of us. But if we don't, we get so resentful and we feel like no one sees us, no one cares about our needs, and then we're not serving. We are, we're just, um, we're, we're only adding, you know, darkness to the world. So that's not our goal. I know that's not. Third strategy, and especially important for uh, working moms, but I would say just anybody that is trying to pursue something like a creative outlet or, or a way that they feel called to give back um, above and beyond the vocation of motherhood is time blocking. And for me, it's been so helpful to compartmentalize the different parts of my life I realized that, you know, work-life balance is not this perfect 50-50 <laughs> split, especially not all the time. And in order to do my job, I have to know that my kids are well taken care of, that the household stuff is going to wait, and I've got to be all in on focusing on my work when I need to. Now things come up, right? We're going to talk about that shortly, but still, um, you know, I need to know when I'm going to work and I need to know when I'm not going to work. Mm -hmm. I need to have a routine and a system so that I am doing the, re or doing repeated kinds of activities at certain times that provides a structure and a rhythm to my life so that I, I can let go mentally of the weight of all the demands that I think I should be doing because I know their time will come, right? Mm -hmm. That this is my time to work. And then at a certain time, 
that stuff is going away and I am just going to sit down and look at my kids and play on the floor with them and dance and go crazy singing in the kitchen or do things to be all in on motherhood, right? And especially for stay-at-home moms, I know that can be difficult because you're constantly with your kids and you have so much competing for your attention all the time. It's really hard to have alone time. It's really hard to um, feel like you have any time for yourself, but you know, I'm, I'm happy to provide more advice if we want to move in that direction for, for stay at home moms too. it just, regardless of your situation, trying to pinpoint certain times of your day or your week that you are going to do certain types, types of tasks has really helped me because then again, I know when something could happen and I don't have to worry about it all, all the same time. Right. Number four, and interrupt me anytime if I'm oh, no, that's writing great on. Okay. Yeah. What's, four, what's number four? It's to be flexible. You have heard it as, as we all have that we make plans and God just laughs, right? 2020 is the perfect example of all of that. I am a perpetual planner and mm-hmm. Me too. I like things to go a certain way and, and happen exactly as I lay them out. But that is not what happens. Things inevitably come up. So I've really found the importance of building in cushions and catch-up time to ensure that things get done. I really work to give everything a deadline, whether it actually has one or not. And this is all the more important for things that are important to us, but maybe are, are self-led or just, again, don't have that overarching time frame imposed upon them. So I give myself early deadlines, what I call soft deadlines, that make sure that I am, I've got a target and I, I've got to schedule things in. I've got to break them down into very specific steps because none of us, especially as busy moms, has, you know, eight hours of uninterrupted time to do it. Um, Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> in one sitting, right? And then, you know, whether things happen by that early deadline or not, you at least know that you have started and that you've got a cushion before the final deadline comes or that again, if it doesn't have a deadline, you are, are holding your own feet to the fire to make sure that this thing doesn't just live in the abstract someday world forever. Right. Number five is the importance of getting creative with when you can be productive because those windows are often not when you would choose, right? It's, it's the time that we have to do things, to work or to pursue our creative passions or those, those other goals that we have. Once you become a mom, it's really not when you would perhaps like to be doing things. And again, yeah. if you don't have kids, there are still external obligations that interfere with your ability to do exactly what you want when you want it. So I am extremely vocal about the importance of identifying what I call our peak productivity windows. And I I help people to track three different cycles. The first is our daily circadian rhythm that I think many of us know about, but we often neglect, right? That it's so important to get our body on a consistent sleep schedule and a consistent eating schedule so that our hormonal balance can be a little more regulated. And we naturally then have these periods throughout the day where we are more alert or we are more tired. And if we are trying to be productive in a time period where our body is sagging and we're exhausted, 
you know, we, we might be trying to work, but we're not actually being effective. We're not able to get mm -hmm. things done. So working with your circadian rhythm is the first cycle. The second cycle is huge for women. And I'm so glad that it's getting more publicity these days, but that is our monthly woman cycle. Right. So if you've never heard of this before, it, it was so enlightening for me. I, I noticed it through natural family planning and the benefits of, of tracking how I felt at different times throughout the month. So after years of this, I have all this data and now it's backed up by other scientific studies and is getting, again, publicity in the wider world. But there are four different phases of our monthly cycle that affect how we feel and what we are able to do, right? How we, how clear we can think and how physically energized we feel. So we can save that, the details perhaps for a later conversation or, or however you want to run this well, now. I'm super curious. So can you share? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the first phase is um, the, uh, the menstrual phase, obviously, where when we are, are in that first one to seven days of our cycle, we are naturally tired, we need to rest, our body is doing incredible things. And, you know, we just don't have energy or mental focus to do a lot of work. And we need to honor that time, you know, that in, in past uh, societies, right? In, in, in the old days, women used to take time off. They used to go and, and kind of congregate um, right. women to have that downtime. And we don't have that opportunity in the modern busy world where we're just expected to be working nine to five, 24, you know, or seven days a week, five days a week. So knowing that you need a downtime is very important. The second phase is the follicular phase where your estrogen levels really start to rise and you're you know, working to prepare an environment for new life. And in those moments, your body is flowing with creative juices. You are really, I think, at your, and it's shown, you're at your peak mental state for coming up with new ideas. But we often feel a little insular and, and we might feel more introverted than normal in these times. Uh, this, the third phase would be, I don't have this right in front of me, the ovulation phase. So that's when you're kind of in the, the middle part of your cycle and you are, um, you, you, you start seeing more progesterone, um, being released and you are then much more extroverted. You feel a little more alive. You really want to be out and about. You're great at interacting with people. This is a wonderful window to problem solve, to have group meetings or to cooperate on group projects, anything like that. Anything that requires you to be sort of out there and on display. And then the fourth phase is the luteal phase where your, um, your progesterone and estrogen are, or your progesterone is going up, but your estrogen is starting to prepare you again for your, your next cycle. And this phase can vary from person to person, but it's what I call the superwoman window. Because <laughs> I find that, uh, especially at the beginning of the luteal phase, you have more energy than ever and you can just crank things out. I don't know what it is, but you can just do more than feels humanly possible. So Some of those I things. would just encourage people to, to track their cycles and track their energy and productivity levels during their monthly cycle. That's a huge one. The third cycle to talk about is your weekly schedule and how many of us start Monday out either very refreshed. But for me as a mom, Monday is like my catch up day where I'm dragging because of the weekend. I'm thinking about, okay, 
I just need a, a reset day where I can get the rest of my week planned out. And so Monday for me is a catch up day, but Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm usually in a groove. I can produce a lot, really focus. And then by Friday, I'm done. I'm dead. Right? Like <laughs> I've done a lot. I just, I know I'm not going to be as productive on those days. So those are great times for me to do more administrative tasks, to check in on budget finances stuff, to do anything that doesn't require as much physical effort or mental focus. It's also a great time to think about planning out the coming week because, you know, it doesn't take as much mental energy to, to brainstorm what you have coming up and how you want things to go. So, so overall, finding your peak productivity windows is about syncing your mental clarity and your physical energy with when you are trying to do important tasks so that you can be as effective as possible and really see results for your efforts, right? You're not swimming upstream and trying to produce things when your body and your brain just can't function, right? At least not as you want them to. Ultimately, as ideal as it sounds to identify our peak productivity windows, um, the reality is that, especially if kids are in the picture, when we get to work is often not during our peak productivity windows, right? Yeah. Um, or, or maybe it is sometimes, but we can get interrupted and it's just not always easy to, to set aside those times. So we don't always get to maximize our peak productivity windows like we used to or we could under other circumstances, but just knowing when we can expect ourselves to be in a good state of mind and body to produce or not really helps us, again, lower our standards, but be more efficient with our efforts so that we are not berating ourselves for our inability to get things done, right? We can, we can really give ourselves that grace that we crave because we know that, okay, this week or this day or this hour, I'm struggling, but that's normal, and that is um, that is a biologically appropriate <laughs> reaction, right? Um, but it's not going to last forever, so I'm going to take downtime now, and I'm going to hit it hard coming back. I love so, that. Yeah, those are my five big strategies: prioritize, simplify, block your time, be flexible, and get creative. Because um, I guess I didn't finish that point. Great to know your peak productivity windows, but we ultimately have to stop using time as an excuse. And if kids are in the picture, sometimes the time that we get to work is early in the morning or late at night or at nap time or these little windows where, again, it's not prolonged, uninterrupted periods of time, but we can still be crossing off little things and chipping away at bigger projects. Oh, I, okay. I love that. And I also love that it's like, you know, there's a very real reality that women don't understand our bodies the way we should. And I think natural family planning is such a beautiful way that the church really upholds the beauty of femininity and the feminine genius. But like realizing that that has an impact on our mental clarity and on our you know, like feelings of, you know, socialization even, or our feelings of like just kind of wanting to hunker down and curl up with a good book and a blanket. Like, yes. I think that's also very much weather related for me, but <laughs> that's true. There, you know, there's, there's this beauty that says, you know, like we are not the same every single day. There's a transformative and cyclical nature to our lives. And like, that's why we have the liturgical calendar in the church, but 
as women, we also have a, a calendar that, you know, is cyclical. It's our, our natural cycle. God, cyclical, God designed us so perfectly. And I wish more, more women realized, and not that they doubt that per se, and, and, and hopefully Catholic women in particular really know how perfectly we are designed, but I wish all women knew just how amazing God made us to be and that, you know, he has given us these incredible gifts, both our body and our time and our callings. And just, I mean, God is for us, right? The, the only Absolutely. thing that stands in our way, I believe, are, is our mindset and our, our fear that, that holds us back from pursuing what we really do want to do. And then this, this limiting belief that there's not enough time to go around and that you know, because I'm a mom or because I work or because I have all these other external factors, I can't have time for what I really want to spend my time on. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really adamant about trying to kindly remind us all that it doesn't have to be that way. That, absolutely. When I ran my marathon last year, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal. to. I am so amazed. <laughs> Good for oh, you. Man, I, can't, I can't even run two miles right now, but <laughs> that's okay. But, you know, when I ran my marathon last year, I thought about it. I was like, no, there is enough time to do what I want to do. You just have to be diligent about finding the time. And so I feel like, like I prioritized it. I got creative about when I can do it. Like I did. I simplified it as much as I could, as far as like putting stuff out the night before, getting in a routine. Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's really interesting. And of course there was a cycle to it. (laughs) Yeah. But it's interesting to me because like, okay, I did that with a marathon and training for a marathon, but I haven't done it with household tasks and things that, you know, like, why, why haven't I? Because it doesn't matter as much, right? And, and, or at least it doesn't have to, it might to, no judgment whether it matters or not, but, right. but yeah. Yeah. But it's, just, it's interesting to me because that was like a really big eye opening thing for me. Like, no, I have enough time to be a working mom and to train for a marathon and to do this goal, achieve this goal. It's important to me personally, but I could have just always pushed it back and said someday, someday, someday. But then I got to a point where I was like, I need to do this because I want to. And it, it just all came to a head. And now I 100% agree with what you're saying that like, you will make, you will make the time. I know we can't really make time. God's the only one who can give us time, but you know, you will find the time in your schedule to do the things that are really, really important to you when you identify what they are, like prioritize, right? And then when you get creative, you'll figure it out. And it does look like other things don't happen when you devote yourself to one specific thing like that. But if the laundry sits around for a couple of days, it might not matter in five years, right? Like your mom would say. Yes. We are all given the time. We just have to decide how we want to spend it or use it and stop making excuses. If, if we want to spend it, you know, binge watching shows or scrolling social media or, or those things, okay, fine. No judgment, but we have to take responsibility for that. And that you know, the reason that we might not be progressing towards our other goals is then on our shoulders. It's not that we don't have enough time and, and having kids isn't the reason we don't have enough time. Okay. It's, it's that we are choosing to spend our time in certain ways and only we get to make that choice. And there's nothing wrong with how, whatever we choose, we just, we have an incredible opportunity. We have the gift of time 
So that should be really encouraging if there's, if, if you've been feeling like there is not enough time for something, I would just encourage everyone to rethink that and get creative with making more time for what they want. I love that. All right. Could you share a time when you like failed at managing it all? I'm going to ask you that just a little bit vulnerable, but I think it's good for other women to hear how people who like, you know, I mean, you have this beautiful academic research and you have all these solutions to simplify your life and to help you to manage your time better. But what was it like before you had that? Can you just give us one example of when you totally failed at managing things? Absolutely. I, I definitely don't have it all together. You know, still nobody does. I'm, I'm very adamant about that. But apart from things falling apart after having my very first son, the biggest time where I realized I failed at it all, the biggest wake-up call for me was actually after my third son was born. I was finishing a really tough semester. I was mid-tenure prog- um, progress. So in order to get tenure, I, you know, I had to publish a certain amount of articles, and I was just feeling so much pressure at my job. And I, I had some leads on different research publications that were going really well. I had some grants that I'd, I'd applied for. And then I had certain things I needed to finish up before my first son was born. And he ended up coming three weeks early. Oops. So I didn't get those things done. And I tried to be really positive, but also again, very naive. And I thought, okay, no big deal. You know, he's going to sleep and I can just crank him out. It ended up being that I, I wasted. I I mean, it, it really brings tears to my eyes to think about it in retrospect, but I wasted those precious months after he was born about three months or so working every chance I could instead of just enjoying my new baby and letting my body recover and devoting time to my other kids who were adjusting to our changed family situation and, and all those things. So I was pushing myself so hard to keep going, to keep producing, to get these things done. And it never felt like it was good enough to just cut the cord and be done. So I, I was not I was not taking the advice I would give now, which is that not everything has to be done perfectly. There are plenty of things that you can just do and say, good is good enough and be done. But I didn't do that. So I pushed myself so hard and I submitted all these things for um, publication and I breathed a sigh of relief and I thought, okay, fine. I did it. Now I can move on only to find out that all the things I was working so hard on, all the things I had sacrificed my maternity time for actually ended up getting rejected, not accepted for publication. I didn't get the grants that I applied for. And those things don't matter at all now in retrospect, but I just felt like I had made the, one of the biggest mistakes of my life because I will never get that time back. I, I know now how important it is to clarify your priorities. And I wish I had said, I'm going to stop. It doesn't matter if I publish these articles or not, because of course I didn't end up publishing them, at least not then anyway. I wish I had just been in the moment and enjoyed what God had placed in my arms instead of feeling this compulsion to keep working and to keep producing. And I mean, ultimately what a lesson God has given me, what a gift that lesson is. But I definitely failed in that moment. And that was the final turning point for me. 
that led me to say enough is enough. I sacrificed not only my time with my newborn baby, but my entire self. I, I just lost myself in the process of trying to do it all. And I couldn't. And, and, uh, and the results were not in any way um, comparable to yeah. the amount of time and effort I had put into them. So it was just, uh, it was a great learning experience. Oh, I'm so glad that you see it as a great learning experience now, but I'm like all emotional too. Cause I'm like, I don't want to waste my maternity time. No, don't. don't matter. <laughs> uh, work can yeah, wait. Like, I mean, it's so hard when you have a new baby because like, that's one of those times when does this matter in five years? Like, yeah, the laundry's not going to matter in five years, but snuggling your newborn will, or, you know, adjusting and, and spending time at the park with your older kids, that will matter. And it's so hard when you're trying to find the balance between what you want to do and then knowing what your family needs and knowing what you might need to do as far as like furthering your career, even though technically during maternity time, no one should be asking you to further your career, but we all know the reality is sometimes very different in the world. And yeah, it's just, oh my gosh, that makes me, I'm, I'm sad for you. I'm crying a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, suffice it to say, I did not use my time wisely and I just don't want to make that mistake again. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And I have a feeling you won't ever make that mistake again. So that is the, the one positive thing. Um, okay, so I want to know how can we get access to your materials and your tips and how can we support you? Thank you for asking. I, I just want to give back. I want to share everything I have learned, both through my own hard personal experience, but, but more importantly, through the academic research I've done to help other women know that they can do so much more than they think. It's, you know, um, so I've, I've tried to make a bunch of resources available. You can always check out my website, solutionsforsimplicity.com or uh, follow me on Instagram because I'm, I'm always there. I also have a YouTube channel called Solutions for Simplicity where I put out weekly videos on play planning, prioritizing, productivity, time management, work-life balance, simplifying your life, um, all those things. But the the biggest resource... The biggest resource I would love to share with your audience is my free Pinpoint Your Priorities workbook. It's 20 pages of strategy for how to take all the demands on your plate and really whittle them down so that you identify what is most important to you and what you can let go of and all those things that we've been talking about today. I've tried to package it into this free workbook. So that will be accessible um, on my website or I'm sure I can send you the link to put in the show notes. Yes, please. If you'd like to share it with your audience, I would love to. you can also find it um, at uh, HTTPS bit.ly slash pinpoint your priorities. Uh, <laughs> the easiest it. website to remember. <laughs> but um, so there's that. And then I am just about to launch a signature online program that I've spent the last six or so months creating called Ready, Set, Reset Your Life. And it is a 21-step, I call it pathway to personal transformation to try and take busy, overwhelmed moms from feeling stuck and hopeless to feeling re-energized and renewed with purpose. And we have three different units within that to work first on our mindset and then our goal setting. And then finally putting in place the structure, the structure setting that is going to help you achieve whatever it is that God has placed on your heart to do. That's so cool. Okay. Yeah. 
I'm so excited. I think I'm going to go download my priorities workbook and start thinking about that. And then probably I'll give myself a few months, but I would love, love, love to be a part of your course once I've had the new baby and everything. I think it's probably a little too crazy to baby while doing that because I have learned from your story. Yes. And then enjoy it. So, okay. And the last question that I ask people, I'd love to know what is your favorite thing about Catholicism? Oh goodness. Um, for me, it's just knowing how much God does for us all the time that every piece of our life is so much more perfectly planned than we could have ever envisioned for ourselves. And that in my faith assures me that even in the darkest moments, there is good and, and it's all leading me where God wants me to go. And I never had that before I entered the church and, and just realized that God is there and that he, he just loves each and every one of us so much. And I feel like we live that truth out in our Catholic faith more than any other faith. So, um, you know, we are, we are the one true faith that explains it. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. And, and I love that like the, it's interesting to me because people who were raised Catholic, maybe experienced the falling away, they, they tend to have a different perspective than people who came into the church as adults, which I find really fascinating. But um, maybe you've heard my interview with Aria, the millennial Catholic housewife, but she talks about how like people don't realize it, but if you have experienced a life without faith, it's very different and it's very dark. And so I find it really interesting you converted. You're also mentioning like God's with us in the darkest moments, but like he's there. And I just, I think that's really beautiful that there's, there's something for everyone in our faith. And like, no matter what cross you're carrying, He's with you. Like he's he's with you. He's got one of those beams in his hands and he's carrying it along with you, which I think is just so beautiful. It is the most freeing thing in the world to realize that we're not in control, right? Like we need to cooperate with God and and use our times, talents, treasures to to give back and to serve him. But you know, the pressure's not on us. We don't we, we don't have anything to prove. And I didn't realize that until I became Catholic and really delved into my faith. Oh, I absolutely, absolutely love that. Well, I just wanted to say thank you again so much for being a guest on Heart Home Faith, Amber. It has been an absolute delight to chat with you. And I love connecting with you through Instagram. And I'm super excited for my priority workbook. I feel like that will be very helpful because in total honesty, this year is nothing like what I thought it would have been. And now I feel overwhelmed and honestly pretty worn down like you know like I, I could use like a retreat but where would I go on retreat right now <laughs> so. well, for, for good reason you are doing so much and you're just incredible I really just pray blessings upon you and your family I know you've moved and you're running this podcast and you're you're just amazing so Thank don't give you. yourself a hard time you know you know that it all comes when it's meant to happen that's right but don't check out my laundry pile so. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed this more than you know. Oh, it's been wonderful. I hope we can chat again soon. That sounds great. All right. Thank you, Amber. Bye. Thanks. Bye.
resources that Amber is providing for you and take advantage of them because this is really, really an interesting way to think about what your tasks are and it really helps you to understand more of how your time can work for you. I know that as busy moms, we all struggle with our time and feeling like our time is not our own because sometimes it's not. I'm so grateful to Amber for shedding her light and her understanding and her research on time management for busy women. And you can be busy as a stay-at-home mom or as a working mom. You can definitely be busy. So please, I encourage you, take some time, pray, sit with her resources and know that you are so loved. And my hope and my prayer for you until our next episode and beyond is that you feel as loved as you are. Thank you.